Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Before we get started on this Blue Wire podcast, a little reminder about our good friends over at TickPick.com, the original no-fee site who offers you the best prices on tickets. And what you see at the beginning is what you see at the end with TickPick.com. Make sure to go check out using this link in the bio of this podcast, which is TickPick.com slash Breakdown, not a promo code, use that link, get $10 off your first order. You've been hearing me talk about them all year. The only place that I use is TickPick.com for, for those discounted ticket prices. They'll give you the fair value, tell you what's a good deal, what's a bad deal. And again, what you see when you pick the tickets is what you pay at the end. No surprise fees. Make sure to go to TickPick.com slash Breakdown. We are going to talk about the Browns offense, which is... As you guys know, a struggle. If you listen to yesterday's post-game podcast with John Colosimo, you heard me talk about changing expectations. I think that's what we have to do because I think what we thought we were getting at the beginning of the year is not what this offense is from a cohesion uh, standpoint, from a talent standpoint, and from a just a really collective product standpoint. So if we are expecting the Browns offense to be an electric group, I think that mistake is on us for the expectations being flawed. It's not going to happen. There's not enough skill talent, healthy skill talent. The the uh, cohesiveness from the whole group, from the quarterback performance to the wide receivers that are on the field to the tight end ups and downs into the right tackle situation and an injured left tackle for portions of the year. It's just not a dynamic group. So everything the Browns are going to get this year is going to be scratch and claw to get the things that they end up getting. So it's just not going to be the explosive group you expected. So again, if you're going into games thinking, can the Browns get to 40 points or 30 points, or right now we're struggling to see this offense cross the 20 point threshold. Again, that's, that's on us. The expectations have to change a little bit based on what's out there and what is, uh, what we're seeing week to week. You know, I always talk about this, whether in my life or on this pod about how expectations determine so much about, the end thought process for what we think was supposed to happen versus what the reality is of something. It doesn't just tie into football, it ties into life. Expectations are a really dangerous thing, and that's oftentimes what either sets us off or makes us feel elated. So, again, I continue to say that this is just not a very good offense, and I don't think it's going to rectify itself this year. So that, to me, puts a cap on how far these Browns can go. They can still accomplish great things. They can get to a winning record. They could win, uh, or sorry, they could get an opportunity and make the playoffs. And they could they could win still the division. There's about a 25% chance they could win the division. Those are great accomplishments. Browns haven't won the division since the mid-80s. I think maybe 89 they won the division the year I was born, back when it was the... Uh, you know, was is the AFC Central, I believe. It's a long time ago. They haven't had back-to-back winning seasons since 88-89. So they're still playing for a lot here. But the, the expectation for me has shifted. I don't really want to, you know, diminish your hope here. But what the, the product of the Browns offense is not very good. And I don't just expect that to shift the rest of the way. 
I've gone through every single week and pointed out to you what those issues are. I went live at 9 a.m. this morning just going through my first rewatch of the All-22, trying to, again, lay out where those limitations are within this offense and what we're expecting being wrong. And, 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 and I just think if we shift to the idea that, hey, let's see him get to 20 points and then you know maybe get some help from special teams or, or like we saw from Miles Garrett, then we can start to change how we view it. The defense is obviously playing better football, so they're holding people underneath a point threshold, and you have a chance to just win those ugly games. I think they can do that the rest of the way and perhaps have a breakout game or two where they get to 24, 28, or 30, something along those lines. But to me, I just know what the Browns' offense is, so it's not. it doesn't bother me as much. I don't get so worked up about it. They have a chance to hit the reset button and get right next year, adding more explosive wide receiver talent, picking up maybe another difference-making type of tight end. Maybe they can make a move there, get the quarterback healthy. See if that can help turn around that you know the production from that position. Draft a really dynamic wide receiver, sign one. Then you can do more things. Get a healthy right tackle again. Get uh, Jedrick Wills back on two feet successfully. So you know there's things that can improve. And again, I think that's a 2022 thing. I don't think we're going to see those changes just happen this year. So that's just where I'm at with it. Uh, and I'm, I try to lay that out for you as best I can because. Uh, the, you know, the way the offense is performing is not a huge surprise to me. It's really not based on the talent I see out there and, and, and the production or, or, or trends of some guys who are key members of this football team. So let's talk about this real quick. I'm not going to talk like a broken record. I went over it on the Monday or sorry, the Sunday post game show. I went over it on your recap podcast you listen to. And this morning at 9am, you can go to Twitch or my Twitter page and watch it. You can go, it's, a, it's about an hour and some change, rewatch all the films, there for your consumption should you choose. We're going to go through the traditional data, and then I'm going to share the Monday Rewind to get you some other voices. You know, I'm going to get you that show which has Stephen Thomas, Ian McBride, uh, it has uh, Michael Keith from Garage Beers, fantastic, and then, you know, the great Fred Greetham. I think sometimes hearing some other voices on this podcast is good, so I'm going to replay that Monday Rewind after this. But I'm going to do my usual data with you guys. 65 snaps is what the Browns registered, 61 when you take away the penalties. So the guys who are on the field, obviously the offensive line quarterback all mounted to 65 snaps. Uh, well, the quarterback didn't. He was off the field for two plays, so 63 for Baker. Uh, Austin Hooper played every single snap of the football game was going to happen. Stefanski doesn't run anything 10 personnel or 0-0 personnel. They only have enough receivers to do that. So he was on the field every snap, and it reflected in his play, which we will talk about. He did not perform very well in the blocking phase. Either of them uh, was decent as a pass catcher, but um, yeah, not, not, not his best game. But again, on the field every single snap, um, so Bake was on 63, had an 80.2 overall grade. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, and then 60, uh, sorry, the other two came from Case Keenum when the concussion stuff happened. Largest skill position player snap counts were Jarvis Landry. Sorry, Donovan Peoples-Jones had 60, and Jarvis Landry had 54. Nick Chubb in the backfield had 43. Richard Higgins had 24 wide receiver snaps. Andy Janovich had 16 fullback snaps. Um, from the running back perspective, Dearness Johnson had 14. Kareem Hunt had 13. Miller Forstall got on the, on the field for 10 plays. Demetric Felton got uh, on the field for six. That is about it for your skill guys. So not very many 12 personnel snaps. We didn't think there would be very many of those. 
Um, so we got eight total uh, between 22 and 12, and that's where Forrestal's snaps come from, a couple of them that were no plays from penalties as well. Uh, the the inter- interesting thing was Blake Hans got 18 snaps of his own, 12 blocking, and then one pass set, and then uh, a pa- five pass blocking on play action uh, plays as well. The Browns did run one play with seven offensive linemen on the goal line. Austin Hooper's touchdown, if you go back and watch it, actually Michael Dunn blocks and releases to the flat late. So he was an eligible receiver on that play if they wanted to dump it off to him. The Ravens covered him up but didn't cover Hooper, and that was the play action touchdown. So Michael Dunn gets on the field for one play. They ran seven O-linemen, a tight end, and two backs. So that's your numbers as far as snap counts go. Nothing really all too surprising there. Jarvis Landry gets a little more opportunity, and uh, that resulted in zero catches. They did play two running backs together on 15 snaps um, between Dearness Johnson, Kareem, and Nick. So there was an uptick in that. You maybe didn't see them traditionally line up the way you think they would, but they were on the field together whether split or doing different things, uh, that was an uptick. So coming out of the bye, that was a nice change. And the Browns did throw some different wrinkles and scheme stuff and coming out of the bye, which I was impressed with. I really liked that uh, stuff they did early on. And even the stuff they did late, I didn't have a problem with. They just weren't executing. Or the Ravens covered it pretty well. Again, we're all like microscope over the Browns offense. It's been like a month of the Ravens. A game, a bye week with two weeks in between, and then... Another game. So we're all thinking about the Ravens essentially for a month. It's a lot of thought about one team who knows the Browns pretty well. Let's talk about Baker. He uh, actually graded a little better than I thought he was going to grade in this game. He was an 86.8 passing, sorry, 83.8 passing grade when kept clean. So no pressure. 20 of 25 for 187, two touchdowns, one interception. He was under pressure. I had the Ravens with nine blitzes. It was a little lower than I think people thought. Nine blitzes on the game. Baker was two for seven in those nine dropbacks with uh, only three yards and uh, did take a sack on one of those. And then not blitzed. He was 19 of 12, um, sorry, 12 of 19 when not blitzed for 136 in a touchdown. When he was blitzed, he was 10 of 13 for 54 in a touchdown. Low 70s grade, 73.6 when not blitzed, 73.8 when blitzed. So the issue was the under pressure metrics. He had two big time throws. Uh, one to Donovan Peoples-Jones up the left side. I have to think. I can't think off the top of my head where the other one was. Uh, I apologize for that. I should know it. Um, but then also his turnover-worthy play. Uh, not the interception, actually. It was a fade ball that was left behind um, uh, DPJ on the left sideline. They deemed that as the turnover-worthy play in the game. So his uh, play-action grade, he had six completions on 10 attempts in play-action for 52 yards and two touchdowns. Had a 68.6 grade there. His interception came off that. And again, that interception, I've never seen a squirrel route that breaks inside. Never seen it. It's a wheel turn up to come back, and it's always an outbreaker. I don't have any idea why Baker left that throw inside. I'm hoping somebody asked him this week, but that interception, in my opinion, should be on Baker. I have no clue why that ball was left inside. They actually ran a route later, just like it, the same thing, just this time Jarvis was in the slot. And he threw it for a 17-yard completion, perfectly thrown on the sideline. So I don't know. It was weird. I've never seen a squirrel route be an in-breaker or a curl. So no clue why that ball was left so far inside. No play action in this game. 16 of 22, a buck 38, a 77.1 grade. Brown's not very good on screens in this game. Only 4 for 5 for 18 yards. Uh, I think partly because the way they started, the Ravens' man-to-man stuff caught them. And they ended up switching it up to running backs screens out of the backfield so i liked that change came a little later 
No screen, 18 of 27, 172, two touchdowns, one pick, 77.6 grade. Throws of 20 yards downfield, two of three for 61 yards. Medium throws, he was only one of five for 17 yards. Medium throws are 10 to ten to 19 yards downfield. Where he found the most success was the short throws, zero to nine yards. He was 15 of 18 for 94 yards and those two touchdowns. Most successful throws, short center. He was four of six for a 91.2 grade, 39 yards. And then had a high grade of deep right where he was one of one for 34 yards. That deep shot to Donovan Peoples-Jones in the first quarter. And then short right, he was 8 of 9 on short right throws. His highest volume throw area, 39 yards. And again, those two touchdowns, one to Jarvis, one to Landry on play action. So I thought Baker played good enough. A couple, I thought a couple bad throws to end the half. And then they just weren't executing, completing, doing the small things in the second half when he was only 6 of 12 for 47 yards. I don't know. They, I, I didn't think Baker played bad in this game. I thought he was kind of average to below average. PFF graded him a little bit higher than that. So, again, that's that's their system. That's their grade. I thought he was fine. He, he was good enough to win with, and obviously they won. Interception, I do blame on him. I think that I have no other answer for what it would be other than leaving that ball inside for whatever reason, whether it was inaccuracy or not understanding the concept, just kind of weird there. And then he uh, almost threw another interception on a, on a late kind of breakout uh, situation on a third down where he, uh, he, had a, he had a quick screen to his right. And this is on the film if you want to go watch it from the replay on Twitch. He had a, he had a quick screen to his right and a rail route right by his running back out of the backfield to the left. The quick screen failed. It's a broken play. Donovan Peoples-Jones goes up the hash. He tries to reset throw to him late. Uh, Ravens defender gets an arm on it, and then it's almost intercepted. They didn't think that was a turnover-worthy play at Pro Football Focus there either because it took a play on the football to make it tipped up in the air. So, uh, again, I don't know. I didn't love it, but I do understand him trying to do some things out of structure. It comes in, it comes with the territory, I guess. Again, I thought Baker was fine. I, I didn't think he was like a massive problem or anything. I thought he was fine for the most part and he was good enough to win with. I just thought they needed to be cleaner. He needed to make more throws in the second half, and I didn't think that he overcame some things to to complete some throws in the second half. And again, if you want more of my opinion on that, go watch the Twitch episode. I go through every single snap of offense and break it down. Pass block metrics. Jedrick Wills with an 89.7. He did, he did not get credited with giving up a sack on that play-action throw. So they actually, at Pro Football Focus, Blamed that on the quarterback because he pump faked and stepped up. And when you set deep in a pocket and then step up off a pump fake, they're putting that one on the quarterback. So they have Jed in this game technically as a zero for any pressures allowed. Wyatt Teller was an 82 grade, one pressure allowed. And that was on a true pass set. So that dips his true pass set grade. Same for Joel Batonio, his one hurry. Both guys gave up one hurry for one pressure on the day both of which were in true pass sets. J.C. Treader had a 78.4. He gave up one hurry on the day. And then James Hudson had a 65.2, two hurries on the day. His true pass sets, he gave up one hurry. So that's six hurries on the day, one of which came from Hooper, who had a 49.3 pass blocking grade, 32.1 and three true pass sets. So that's that, that means they kept Hooper in and kept him in as a true blocker. So those true predictable pass uh, throwing situations kept him in three times, and he had a 32.1 there. So I, I kind of think that's right. I just thought Hooper was really sloppy in both blocking phases. So Hudson, respectable, two hurries, didn't really notice him a ton. 
I didn't think he was that bad in the pass phase. I thought he handled himself relatively well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, on the running side, this is where things got sloppy. Again, I thought the Ravens handled the line of scrimmage really well, and the Browns did not, in either phase, block as well as they need them to block. They did get to 100 yards as a team, as a total of 290 on the day, 100 less than the Ravens in total yards, but the the run phase was 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 tough to watch. In, in zone schemes, the Browns only ran three zone schemes. They ran 21 gap schemes. They're really not running wide zone very much. Probably needs to be something documented on that, but they're not running wide zone much. Three times. So that's re- just really low. 70.0 for Teller. Batonio is 67.8 in those three reps. Jed Wills is 65.5. Hudson of 58.9. Treader of 56.2. 21 gap scheme runs. Betonio, really good, 90.4, but then the numbers get ugly. A 27.3 from James Hudson. He is really not good at taking the right angle on some of those. Gets beat underneath, gets beat when he shouldn't because he's not gathering at the right. His his anticipation of where linebackers or first-level players are going when a gap-down block comes their direction has to get better. He's got the ability. It's got to get better. Jed Wills, again, 48.9, not finishing blocks. He needs to finish plays. If you go back and watch that film when I posted, if he doesn't start finishing plays, it's going to be the downfall of what could be a really great player. Has to finish plays. J.C. Treader is 73.1, so he was their second-best gap scheme blocker, and again, he's always in the right position, very rarely beat from sloppiness. So I'm not surprised. Teller with a 50.2, lower than he traditionally goes. I did not think it was a very good Wyatt Teller game. And then Hooper, a 41.1. It was pretty ugly. Donovan Peoples-Jones and then Jarvis get on there. They're they're low 60s. I thought they were fine. I don't have really anything else to say about wide receiver blocking. Collectively, I thought it was fine. They tried hard like they always do in that phase. Rushing numbers. 
Nick Chubb a better run game performance than this one than the last one. He ended up going 17 for 59, a 71.0 run grade. He had two 10-plus yard carries and forced five missed tackles, but the yards uh, per carry after contact, only a 3.12. I, I think we're so used to seeing Nick do superhuman things, it's unnatural when he doesn't, and we're like, man, we're just kind of waiting for him to do those things, and he hasn't really been he doesn't had a great two-game stretch Dearness Johnson continues to impress me four carries 22 yards he had 22 yards after contact alone two missed tackles forced he had a 10-yard run a great 11-yard run from the shotgun on an outside zone from the gun that got called back which I thought was a shame but I thought he played pretty well pass blocking phase Kareem was really good Nick they were all three excuse me all three really good in that phase Pass blocking. Um, Kareem on the game got two carries for five yards. Tough to give him a grade. Hope he can come back because such an important part of things for for this offense. But I think Dearness Johnson might need more carries, man. I I, I think they got to keep trying to find ways to get him on the field. He is an effective player. He had a 90.9 run grade in this game. 92.4 offensive mark because he caught a screen pass for a gain, too, that was pretty nice. I think he caught it for a first down. So he's an NFL back. Again, I don't know if it's here, but the dude is an NFL back. He's a good player. Donovan Peoples-Jones leads the receiving grades where he goes five of seven in terms of catches to targets, 90 yards. That unbelievable left toe swag drag, both feet on the left sideline. Loved it for him. He had 34 wide snaps, 17 yards after catch. A couple nice slant catches. He was one for two in his contested catch situations. Caught four first down plays. Uh, really, really like Donovan Peoples-Jones in this game. And again, I think he can be your X in this offense. He can do the vertical route tree stuff. He can run the one-cut slants. He can do that stuff. Go get a dynamic Z, a more effective slot player. And I think you can see this offense turn around. So I'm not that worried. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones can be a fine number two receiver. Uh, Like I said, Dearness Johnson had that one catch, seven-yard screen pass on third and five. So like that for him, Kareem Hunt had two catches for 13 yards before he left. Janovich had one catch for three yards. Hooper gets a 63.1 receiving grade, catching five of six targets for 30 yards and a touchdown. Just kind of continually amazed at how unathletic Hooper is compared to what I thought he was going to be. Uh, kind of stinks. So, um, But, I mean, I would just love to get a better athlete at that position when they target that player so much. I don't know if David's that guy, but... Baker loves to target him week in and week out. Jarvis Landry is 62.3. He catches five for 41 and a touchdown on nine targets. He had 17 slot snaps to lead the team in the slot. Austin Hooper had 11 slot snaps as well. Jarvis had only seven yards after catch and caught two of three contested scenarios. And then Nick had three of four, three catches on four targets for six yards. So that's a wrap on the offense. Again, data stuff here. Um, Baltimore rushed three players only four times, so they brought four players 19 times, five rushers nine times, and six rushers one time, so they really only blitzed nine times. You could say 10, but one was wiped out to penalty. The Browns ran 32-11 personnel snaps, 19-21 personnel snaps, so that's two backs, one tight end, three 22 personnel snaps, and then five 12 personnel snaps. 40 plays with motion. They used a lot of motion in this game. Like I said, 17 snaps with six-plus offensive linemen 
and then seven snaps, uh, sorry, one snap with seven offensive linemen. And then coverage-wise, the Ravens, the Ravens did what they always do, which is 21 snaps of man-to-man. That's cover two man, that's cover zero or cover one. And then they had 28 snaps of cover three, so when they went zone, they liked to do their cover three. And then they had four, six snaps of cover four, a couple snaps of cover two, and one snap of cover six. High volume of man, high volume of cover three. That's who they are. Didn't catch anyone by surprise. Just thought the Browns didn't execute. And I actually thought Chris Westry and Averett played the ball really well. I thought their corners, again, those guys have depth at corner. They're not like, yeah, they're down Peters, they're down Humphrey, but they still cover you well. They, they're capable. Westry's a phenomenal athlete. Averett's a good player. Tavon Young, those guys can still play. It's not like they're walking scrubs out there. The depth they have there is impressive that even despite all those injuries, they're able to to still be competitive. And they didn't play with any fear of Cleveland, especially on the perimeter. So that's my offense review. You can find all the film on Twitch. It's available to watch it. It's on my Twitter feed too. It's like I said, an hour and change if you want the visuals to go along with it. So all available to be found. That's all the data. I will talk about the offense at some point this week in a write-up. We'll see uh, how that goes or if I can find time to do it. Hope to do so. Anyway, thanks for checking out this portion. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to the OBR's Monday Rewind. So we'll close with that. I won't give you a goodbye, so enjoy that part. It's about an hour and some change. They do a great job, a lot of topics. So like I said, a different voice, which is good to hear. Join me Tuesday night for the OBR's uh, Chalk Talk, where we'll talk defense and offensive line play, maybe a little something else. We'll see what we come up with, but that'll be at uh, the usual 7 o'clock. Join then. Enjoy the Twitch episode coming up here in just a second. And I will sign off with the usual, guys. Go Browns. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Good evening, Cleveland Browns fans. Welcome back to the OBR Twitch channel. I am Stephen Thomas at Browns Mock Draft on Twitter. I am your host and MC for this evening's festivities. As you can see, I am back from my travels. Uh, I'm back in my home base, which means I have Buinka here with me. Buinka the Tiki is here. Uh, and in case you are new around these parts, just a reminder, it is very bad. Steal Buinka's rum is very bad. Well, the Browns didn't steal any of Buinka's rum yesterday because uh, they did get a victory. It is a victory Monday. We always prefer to have victory Mondays here on Monday Rewind. It is much more fun when people are slightly less angry and uh, we can have a good time. A couple things to note here tonight. Uh, first of all, the biggest thing that I'm sure a lot of people are tuning in to see, we do as promised, have two tickets to this weekend's game against the Raiders, the invading Las Vegas Raiders this Saturday at First Energy Stadium. We will be giving those away uh, at the end of the show here tonight. And uh, our great producer, Ian, who will join me on screen here in a minute, will will let, light that up here in just a second over in the chat. And what you're going to have to do is just uh, type exclamation point ticket into the chat. Exclamation point ticket, not tickets, ticket, exclamation point ticket. That gets you entered. 
Uh, now, you, obviously, you don't have to be subscribed to win, but it does give you a slightly better chance. The odds of the, of the bot gives slightly better odds to those who are subscribed. So if you have Amazon Prime, there's a way to get one for free. If you don't, they're under five bucks a month to go ahead and subscribe here tonight and maybe get some tickets to the Raider game. We are working on tickets to some of the games uh, uh, later in the season. Don't want to say anything yet because they're not confirmed. We're not sure, but we will be trying to do that. Uh, as best we can. A uh, quick update on the schedule. Now that we're back off the bye week and everything's back to normal, obviously we're here tonight with Monday Rewind. Jake will be tomorrow with Chalk Talk. Uh, Wednesday is Barry and Fred with OBR Weekly. Thursday will be the roundtable. And then Saturday, it's Saturday this week. Keep in mind, they are playing the Raiders on Saturday. 4.30 is kickoff. So I think we're going to start uh, the pregame around 3.30. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll let you know the official time for that. But that is the schedule uh, for this week. Now, with that said, let's go ahead. I'm going to bring in uh, our great producer, Ian, who, as you guys know, comes out from behind the camera every week on Thursday and other times. And we love to have him do that. Ian, thanks for joining me here. Since I don't have a fireside chat planned, uh, I thought we would have a dual fireside chat and that might be more fun. Yeah, I have uh, I have plenty of stuff to complain about. And it's probably not the same things that, uh, people were complaining about yesterday. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let me give you this right off the bat. Let's start with this. This is a little known fact. I was I was digging through all of the numbers. I did a ton of research today about yesterday's games. I don't know if you know this, Ian. Uh, I don't know if anybody in the chat knows this. This is just a tiny little nugget buried uh, amongst the waves and waves of the other stats and everything else that came out of yesterday. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's actually kind of big. The Browns actually won that football game. Did you know that? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't actually, uh, so yeah, yesterday uh, to give a little insight, uh, during the fourth quarter of games, I usually, you know, prepare ahead of time. Uh, I'll make, I'll make some graphics here. Here's an example of a graphic that, uh, I didn't get to use, uh, that was just put them together during the fourth quarter i didn't get a chance to use any of my stuff yesterday because uh i was mistaken in thinking we would talk about how the browns won and all we did was talk about all of the disappointing things uh and i think i think a lot of that is is just sort of recency you remember the bad things uh that happened more recently instead of the good things that happened a little bit beforehand because this team in the first half came out with such a strong game plan uh from my perspective uh they knew what they needed to do the Ravens came out and did the exact same thing they did the uh the game before and the Browns were ready and they moved the ball they get uh 17 points on three consecutive drives in the uh in the first half and it, you know they they knew what to do obviously in the second half it, it came down a little bit in terms of how efficient the offense uh was but it, I think they came out really prepared uh as far as the game plan goes on offense in that first half and when you get out to a 17-0 lead I understand they struggled to hold that lead but they earned those points count the same you know that that was a 17 to nothing lead it, it it's it's not like the Browns did that on accident <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we're going to bring Fred in here. Uh, uh, Fred Greetham, the legend, is with us. Thanks for joining us, Fred. And that's we'll give you your forum that we always do when you when you join us. But first, I wanted to bring this up to you, Fred, because everybody I've I've seen this a hundred times today, all over social media and places. Well, they only played one good half. They didn't deserve to win that game. Well, the Ravens only played one good half too. I mean, you know, so who deserved to win? Yeah, they almost blew a twenty-four to three lead, but they also built that twenty-four to three lead. So you got to win the whole game right and ultimately the only thing that matters fred right is there's a check mark in the w column right yeah absolutely um you know i think i talked about it before 
as bad as everybody felt after the 13 to 10 win over the Lions. We said if they play, this was before the first Ravens game, if they play and that game was exactly play for play, the exact same thing, but you beat the the Ravens 13 to 10, everybody be ecstatic. Um, it's a bottom line business. And we've said it, they haven't played their best football and you keep waiting for them to, you know, flip the switch. But the script just changed completely this weekend. You know, everything is pretty much went the Browns way over the bye and then this past Sunday. And they're sitting there at seven and six, one game out of first place. And you look at the schedule, look at the Ravens have Aaron Rodgers coming to town, you know, and then they have the Bengals, the Rams, the Steelers. The Bengals have the Broncos in Denver and then the Ravens. Then they go, they play the Chiefs besides the Browns. And then the Steelers, you know, have the Titans this week, the Chiefs in Kansas City besides the Browns and the Ravens. So it is set up for the Browns to win. Obviously, they have to win. Everybody's playing each other, so you're assuming they're going to win. But the site should just be right on this Sunday's or Saturday's game right now with the Ra- Raiders because you could be eight and six and sitting there in first place by Sunday when everybody else plays. So it is easy to dwell in the negative. Um, you know, offensively, they didn't score from like the eight minute mark in the second quarter on offense. Thank goodness Miles Garrett made a game change in play, you know, cause that accounted for the last seven points. But I do think there's a little, a uh, little bit, you have to give a little slack here. I don't care who you are. If you're, if your heart is beating and you have a pulse, when you see number eight get carted off, and the announcement is he is out of the game. He accounts for just under 80% of their offense. You have to let down a little bit, even though right. you're saying to everybody, don't let down, don't let down. You let down, especially when nature, you got a right. lead. And, um, and so we saw that earlier when Tyrod Taylor got hurt in the Texans game. Rounds won by 10, but everybody felt like a loss. The Lions game felt like a loss. I think everybody would take a 16 to 15 win over the Steelers, you know, earlier in the year or even the, before the bye, the Ravens. So it's just, um, you know, perspective. But I think if, if they were to go out and turn it on here in the last four games, nobody cares. You know, you won the game that really mattered. They kept your season, your you talk about having meaningful football in December. Well, you're one and all in December, and you got the same thing. I said on another pregame, I said, you know, as much as this is a must win against the Ravens, they win, great. Next week, we're going to exact same thing. You know, I, I think we've been saying this for about six weeks in a row. So, <laughs> you know, it's exciting. I think it's just expectations, you know, because they played so well. Um, last year down the stretch and that and there was not expectations now there's a lot of expectations and you just feel like they're really not it's mainly on the offense the offense is underperforming you know they came out and put 17 on the board and then you just felt like they took the gas off the pedal 
I liken it to last year with Tennessee. They couldn't do anything wrong. They they just come out of the gate like a rocket, and then they took the foot off the gas, whether it was intentional or not, and just kind of hung on. Same thing. I think last year they came down to an onside kick and they recovered. This year, come down to an onside kick and they <laughs> they mucked it. And I'm sure anybody watching or listening had to think the game's over now. They only got to get 20 yards, if that, and Tucker's going to kick a 60-yard field goal. Yep. But you sit here and you take exhale and you look at it and, wow, you know, you're seven and six and you leapfrog three teams and now you're right on the doorstep of the playoffs. And uh, did have a couple injuries today. Kareem Hunt, they made it sound like they thought he'd be fine for Saturday. He's not going to play now. And Troy Hill, I didn't ever hear that he was hurt in the game. And both of them, Stefanski classified as week to week. So that's a little more serious. He usually calls those guys day to day. Now week to week, it's like, wow. I don't know what the MRI might have said, but um, hopefully it is only a week thing. But so those two guys out, you're hoping you can get the COVID guys back. Right. And you would hope that maybe Newsom could come back, but um, late in the week, you don't know how long that's going to go. And Anthony Schwartz, I would think Ronnie Harrison should be good to go. I mean, he practiced all last week limited. Usually a guy's not practicing at all if they're not going to play. I was surprised he didn't play. So right. they said he worked him out and he wasn't ready. So. I would think he'd be ready this week. Um, Harrison Bryant, I still, it's hard for me to believe he'd be ready this week. But if they could get a couple back, Najoku and Harrison, you know, that would that would help a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Quick shout out to the chat, Cleveland 4147. Fifth month in a row he has subscribed with Amazon Prime. We appreciate that. We appreciate all of our subscribers. Again, we're giving away two tickets to, to the game against the Raiders later tonight in the show. If you want to uh, be entered into the giveaway. Simply type exclamation point ticket into the chat. Not tickets, ticket, exclamation point ticket. That gets you entered. Uh, and yeah, Fred, you said something too. Uh, you know, the, uh, it felt like a loss with the Texans game. It felt like a loss with when they beat the uh, Lions. People are acting like it felt like a loss yesterday. You know what? If they want to rack up four more wins that feel like losses, I'm totally okay with that. You know, I mean, because over the decades, we've had a lot of losses that felt like losses. And frankly, this is better. You know, I, I think that, yeah, that was an eight and four team. That was a very quality win. Regardless, you know, sure, it takes a little of the sting off when Lamar Jackson goes down early. But you were ahead by 10. You were doing better when Jackson was playing right. than when Huntley was playing. And uh, I guess it's just the, the style point, so to say, that you kind of feel, you know, that you just kind of are clinging for dear life. You think about, you know, and somebody, they brought that field goal up. That was huge. Again, McLaughlin, that's mm. four games in a row. He's missed a field goal. <clears throat> Different situation. It should have been 27 to nine instead of 24 to nine. And that would have made it a three score you know, game, I think it would have been a completely different scenario. He makes that field goal. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. You think about it from a fan aspect. Would you rather be a Bills fan and make 
make a furious comeback, come all the way back from, I don't know, 27 to 10 and still lose, um, or the Bengals. No, I think you'd rather eke out a win, holding on like the Browns did. So it isn't just with the Browns. It happens around the league. Right. But I do think everybody's realizing or feels that if Jackson would have been on the field, he would have pulled out that win, you know. They were only one, you know, one. And that emphasized, I brought this up with Stefanski, that you saw your defensive end, edge rushers, what I think they envisioned when they brought them in. Right. They're about as healthy as they've been. And all three of them, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, and Tack McKinley made game-changing plays. Yes. I, I contend a lot of – there wasn't a lot of buzz about the McKinley play. Think about that. That was the opening kickoff that the Ravens drove right down the field. It was 24 to three at the time, I think, or Mm -hmm. maybe it was 24 to six, 24 to six, but they're on the 12 yard line. They're going to score. If, if not a touchdown, the Browns hadn't stopped them at all on that drive. They're going to score a touchdown, probably a touchdown, at least a field goal. And that, was about with the Garrett play and that play, it was mm-hmm. a minimum of a 10 point swing difference in the game right there. And so, been waiting for McKinley, you know, to come up big. We know Garrett came up big, but the clowny sack on the last drive think about that, guys. We all know how far Tucker can kick field goals. That was a 10 yard sack. Huge. You add 10 yards to where they finish up, they're on the Browns 45. He's kicking a 61-yard field goal or 62-yard field goal probably to win the game. So I think the edge rushers really came up big. And uh, that's that's good going forward, you know. If they can get that kind of production, you know, I just wish that maybe Joe Woods would have kept the, the heat on a little more because he went for it on that fourth down play and sent them all. And, and thank goodness Denzel Ward you know, made a, made a stick and dropped him in his tracks. But I like the aggressiveness. We saw it with young quarterbacks. It seems like for whatever reason, they kind of take the, you know, they take the aggressiveness out and kind of play contained defense against them. But, oh, wins and wins. And I think they're in great shape. It's, if you're going to put it together, now's the time to put it together. You can see what the Chiefs have done in recent weeks. All it took with them was not having Aaron Rodgers play against them. They got a gift <laughs> win when they were struggling 13 to seven. Everybody knows they'd have lost if Rodgers played, but that jump started, seemed to jump start their season. And, you know, maybe this will be the catalyst for the Browns, you know, the Raiders are coming up a devastating butt kick. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we said early in the season, uh, Fred, you said this, I said it, Jake said it, we said it here, we said it in print, Ian, you were involved, you know, I mean, the defense, you know, in September is not what the defense is going to look like in December, because they had so many new pieces. And then you throw the injuries on top of it that they didn't have those new pieces for a while altogether. They're finally getting to what we thought the vision would be, you know, terrifying pass rush off the edge. Uh, and fast guys on the second and third level who can cover man on man, man to man, and can chase guys down in space. This is this is the the blueprint for what they want to do. When you have a clowny and a Garrett on both sides, 
this is how you want to play. And I remember uh, <laughs> I texted Jake right after the tack play that you mentioned. I said that was momentum that was huge because every Browns fan out there, every single one of you watching, I know they're that pit of your stomach, that OIC Cleveland feeling. You could see it. You could see it unfolding. And that play in and of itself was just so massive. So hopefully, like you said, they get Greg Newsom back and they, they're even deeper in the secondary. And Jacob Phillips will obviously look a little better and a little faster and a little more comfortable. He was he made a few plays and his speed was evident, but he was obviously rusty and coming off. And hopefully they get Anthony Walker back. And then, like you said, if they can get just I, I'm with you, I, I'd be shocked if Harrison Bryant was ready this week. I think the Christmas game is more likely. But if they can get Najoku and knock on wood, Anthony Schwartz back, between him and Jojo Natson, who they signed to the 53 today, that's two guys who can at least stretch the field deep, which, knock on wood, should open up some, some throwing lanes underneath. So, yeah, it, it hasn't been pretty. And, you know, despite the fact that I was we were sort of poking fun at it at the top of the show, Ian, I, was, I said, you know, hey, you may not know it, but they actually won that game. We're in no way saying there's nothing to criticize. There was all kinds of stuff wrong in that second half that they should definitely be criticized for, but the overall mood is way darker than it needs to be after a win. Um, Fred, you were down there today. Uh, what else did you hear or see or any, any kind of feeling that you could get from the pressers today uh, that you can pass along to us uh, looking forward, looking back? What, what did you hear today that you can tell us? Well, I think the big thing was the injury you know, update. I wrote about that today. We kind of covered it here. Um, you know, as far as the general tone from the beginning was, you know, learn how to put these teams away, you know, and I guess another silver lining is, is that you feel like you leave a lot on the field, that there's so much more room to get better, but you still want a big game. So mm-hmm. um, I think that they realize, you know, where they're at. And I think that, you know, all things being equal, you're hoping that you're playing your best here in the next four weeks and it takes you to the playoffs. And, and I think you're now in a position that you just can't lay down, but those three AFC games are all winnable games. And I think that would put you in the playoffs, you know, winning those three AFC Mm -hmm, games, mm -hmm. even, even losing to the Packers in green Bay. I don't think it'll affect you if you win the other three. So, um, with the with the schedule and they have seen more so we said it from the beginning you know of the year that it's all about end of the season play i think the defense you know i preached about it all off season is that the defense last year couldn't stop anybody unless they took it away they gave up over 26 a game if they could just trim it down to the low 20s the offense will be able to out excuse me be able to outscore them and the defense is doing that. They're now down to about 21 a game, and yet the offense is averaging like 22 a game at best. And that's what's disappointing. And if you can get that, you know, turned around, we saw glimpses yesterday, and you thought they were going to put up 30 or 40 yesterday the way it started. But I like the way that they – I like JOK. I mean, we've talked about him. I mean, he played again. He didn't have the tackles, but he he's the one that was on Jackson on the injury, not saying he hurt him, but he was barreling down on him and caused that play. And I think ultimately Phillips and, and JOK out there can really give you a speedy combo 
Yes. You know, and a lot of things you can do, you know, long term with them. I'm hoping Greg Newsom can get back to field. I think he was missed. We saw Greedy Williams get beat deep a couple of plays. And uh, we didn't see that when he was out there too much. So I think all in all, you know, you're hoping you're hoping you can just carry it over this week. We remember last year when they played the Raiders. It was the last game before the bye. The Browns were five and two. It was a cloudy kind of a weather day. Thirty-five mile an hour winds. It was awful. They gave the Josh Jacobs thirty-one times. He just almost like Belichick them. Gruden just said stop him. The Browns couldn't stop him. He rushed for like one hundred and twenty-eight yards. Carr only threw for 112 yards, and the Browns lost a very ugly 16-6 to game. They went into the bye, made some adjustments, came out and won four in a row. And you can see the adjustments they made coming out of the bye and hopefully getting some of these guys back, particularly in offense, will help them make the, you know, be able to build on that. And we all, I've, you've heard me beat this into the ground about Chubb and Hunt. Second play of the game, Chubb and Hunt in the back there together. Um, only lasted four plays. But you could see, and I like that because, you know, I think that was the, you know, third down. He threw the pass to Hunt. You know, mm-hmm. he got the first down, but he got hurt. But there's so many options there, and, and hopefully they won't throw that away just because if they get the tight ends back. But, you know, all in all, I think it was encouraging. Hudson played pretty well. He didn't hear his name called. He got some yes. help with Hans. They cut down their penalties. Only had four in the game, which was really big. And uh, and so I think all in all, you got to feel good about coming out of there, you know, with that type of a win despite – the way it was ending up there in the last few minutes. Yeah, and uh, like you said, looking forward, any potential tiebreakers, if they win the three AFC games, are really looking good. We'll talk about that in just a second. A couple quick shout-outs to the chat. Thank you, Berjular, for subscribing. Thanks to Ebson Williams for following. Uh, Reminder, guys, we are doing a ticket giveaway later tonight. Uh, If you want to enter the ticket giveaway, exclamation point ticket, just type exclamation point ticket in the chat. You do not have to be subscribed, but that link I just put right in there, you can get one for free. You can get a subscription for free via Amazon Prime if you have it. And being a subscriber does get slightly better odds to win the ticket giveaway. So if you want to do that, go ahead and hit that right there. Uh, and you can get one for free. Fred, you mentioned uh, looking ahead. That was such a huge win yesterday in so many different ways because, you know, people have been saying, I don't care about any other game when we put out the rooting list articles and all that kind of stuff. Well, you should because it matters. You know, yes, if they win out, none of the rest of this matters. But what are the odds they're going to do that? So you would like to have as much help as you can early so you're not desperate later on. So the way it's played out right now, any potential tiebreakers in the division, and to an extent in the AFC, as far as the wild card goes, if they're at 10 and seven and the three remaining AFC games are all wins, they're looking good. I think if they win those three games and there's any tiebreakers in the division, they win them all. So uh, 10 and seven, knock on wood, could very well win the AFC North, which, as you've said since the beginning, is always the goal because that gets you at minimum one home playoff game, right? Yeah, you think of last year, it was almost appalling the NFC East. The Browns won all four of them, and their winner was, what, seven and nine, got a home game. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. 
because everybody was writing off the Chiefs because they were stumbling and bumbling around. It took one thing to kind of ignite them, whether it was the Packer game or not, I don't know, but they found their way. And that's what you want the Browns to do is find their way on offense. I think the offense or the defense is starting to find their footing. And uh, I think, yeah, I think they went a little more into prevent defense. I didn't like to see that, but I think they're learning from that and they're learning to play together. <clears throat> and so control your own destiny. Don't put it in the hands of every, anybody else. And you do that. You know, unfortunately, you go out and lose this week. You kind of put yourself right back in the same predicament. So that's why our focus needs to be on the Raiders. Just win this game. Go into Sunday being able to relax at 8 right. and 6 and watch everybody else get beat or upset. And then then it's on. You know, you go into the, the three games looking for a two out of three, and you're in good shape. So – I just think you want to get in the tournament, so you just want to get it, uh, you know, get it started. And, and this is one you can't overlook because um, I don't know how they're going to do it. Obviously, they lost Gruden, got an interim coach. If they're going to be able to just pack it in or if they're like, no, we're going to, you know, come back with some fight this week. So they, yeah, they, they got humiliated. To- they got a chance after that loss. I was going to say that a beatdown like that to an hated arch rival can be the death knell. And the Browns have a chance to put a final nail in the Raiders coffin for this season this week. I hope they step up uh, and take it. One more thing before we get you out of here, Fred, you mentioned it. Uh, they got, and it's been a, a, a one of the many talking points here today. Uh, you know, they got conservative. Did they, did they turtle? Did they, you know, however you want to phrase it in the second half, just trying to hang on and win the game. Kevin was asked about that today. Ian, I know you've got that clip uh, loaded up. Go ahead and fire that. And then I want to get your reaction to it, Fred. Um, yeah. You know, I, I also lamented that we didn't uh, put the game away. You know, I, I think miss a field goal to go up 27, nine really on that third and 10 would have loved to have uh, converted there and, and get seven off of that drive. So, you know, that was a fourth, that was a long fourth quarter drive and, and we need to do more of that. Um, it's certainly uh, something that we talk about uh, internally where we can uh, be better offense, defense, special teams to, to put those games away. And that's what we need to do. Good news is we put it away, got that win. And now that's got to be our focus moving forward in these games. They're, they're all going to be close. A bunch of really good football teams and starting with the Raiders, we got to make sure that we're at our best. Kevin, when you balance that conservatism and aggressiveness, however you want to phrase it, has it been a challenge for you to find the right balance given the many variables you've had? Injuries, Baker's health, situational, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's our job, Tom. You know, that there are variables in these games. Uh, Certainly yesterday, you know, you're in the fourth quarter, you're up two scores. Uh, Our defense, you know, had gotten some big stops. So, you try and be mindful of, of being, uh, you know, still trying to keep be explosive on offense. You know, don't don't take anybody out of the game per se. Uh, and then we just ultimately didn't stay on the field. It was, uh, you know, following a long fourth quarter drive. We had two three and outs. Uh, and then obviously with the defense, uh, you know, fighting versus a, a tough attack there with their quarterback. Um, ultimately, we just got to make sure we do what it takes to win. Uh, but I do uh, agree that we'd love to put that away uh, sooner. Fred, your reaction? Yeah, I mean, 
by the way, Tom Withers asked that. I had that question, you know, going to teed up to ask. I was second. He he got it in before <laughs> me about the conservative calling. I did have the second shot at it. So that was about the defensive ends. But as far as um, I kind of agree, I mean, I just think he's a very conservative play caller unless he gets kind of cute, you know, with, with these gadget plays and so forth. And I would like him to continue to attack the ball. Now, the one thing with that said in his favor, when it was 17 to nothing, the Browns got the ball back. They forced the punt, got the ball back in the second quarter with 5.24 to go. And he gave the ball, I think, to Chubb. He had a good game. I think it was for a first down. And instead of running the ball, it looked like they were going to be aggressive. And he had Baker throw downfield to Landry, and he threw it right to Averitt. And that, that you know, was was a terrible play by Mayfield. because, But but I don't even know why he changed the play call in that situation. Is because, you know, five minutes ago, if you can run it and take up the, the rest of the clock, you, you're going to have at least 17 to nothing, maybe put more points on the board. But I'm wondering if because he saw Baker throw a bad pass, that how it, it could have been a pick six. You know, I, I thought he was going to return for a touchdown. They were able to stop him. But, you know, that's got to be in the back of his mind. Do I totally trust Baker right now? And, you know, and I feel like he didn't trust Case Keenum because when they took Mayfield out there in the second half for the concussion check, it was second long and third and 13, and he handed it off both times. It was like, I'm not even going to have him throw it. So I'm wondering, his conservative nature just seems to be even more conservative lately, especially if they have a lead. Like, I don't think I'm going to do that again. But I would like to – we all know if you just go into a shell, these NFL teams will come back, the good ones. I mean, You remember the Tennessee game last year. They just – they had an exorbitant lead and just were hanging on for dear life. And, you know, I think – Huntley played well, but any other quarterback or team would have would have steamrolled. They probably wouldn't have, they would have scored earlier when when the quarterback fumbled, like I was talking about earlier on McKinley. So, yeah, I think that hopefully it caused them to to readjust. They just got to get they just got to come up with some confidence in the receivers or the receiving game. Feel like who do you go to to make a big play? Landry's been it, um, but when you throw a, a pass behind him or right to the defensive back, nothing you can do there. Well, Fred, uh, I know you got to go. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us because I know you're out at the, the sports bar there, so you made time for us. We always appreciate you making time and jumping on here, giving us your insights from the inside. Buffalo uh, Wild we... Ones. B-dubs, baby. Not a a sponsor. I used to work there, though. It was was actually a pretty good job. They could be. Go talk to them, Fred. Go talk them into it. Yeah. It's on my agenda. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, anything else you want to get out before we let you go? No, I think I've shot my list. Okay. (laughs) The legend, everybody. Fred Greetham. Thanks for stopping in, Fred. We appreciate it, as always. 
Uh, Ian, uh, before we go, and we have uh, Michael Keith from Garage Beers, who might as well be a regular around here. He's been, he's been on like, I think, five yep. out of the last six days. I think he's on our Twitch when we don't even know it. I think he secretly does it. He'll be joining us yes. here in a second. Um, but uh, Fred was talking about, and it's been a topic uh, before we bring Michael in. I wanted to get your take on this. You know, the second half play, was it too conservative? Was it this? Was it that? I, I look at it, and it's a legitimate question. I'm not saying nobody should be asking that question, but here's how I look at it. It's the same mindset as when they call gadget plays, reverses, you know, uh, halfback passes, that kind of stuff. You look at the Dallas game last year. Yep. Two of their touchdowns were Landry to Beckham and Beckham on that reverse where he almost got stopped for a 15-yard loss. People love aggressive play calls, and they love gadget plays when they work. And then when they don't work, they go, oh, that was stupid. Why did he do that? So, you know, it's the you, this is when we talk about process over results. Was it a good time to try to get cute yeah. or was it not? Not the result of the play. So you, just your general thoughts on the second half play calling, because it's been a big topic today. Well, I mean, I think it's it, you could see a, a similar thing uh, when you go back to the last game against the Ravens and everybody was complaining that they didn't run the ball enough. And then you come into this game and you have the lead. And people are complaining that you were in it too much. It, yeah. It's 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 tough to find, you know, that middle ground. And I think I think Stefanski. A lot of times, I, I've had to watch basically all of his press conferences this year. A lot of times, he's just talking coach speak. He's just you sure. know he he's just Which saying the right thing to say. I think when he was talking about you know the play calling uh, in the second half, he genuinely thought, okay, I needed to, that was something that I, I messed up. I think he, I think he knows that he had the game plan, right. And he sort of deviated a little bit from it and started going more, uh, with runs and the deep passes, uh, to try and extend the lead. Um, but I think, I think it's, you know, it's not something that's, represents a long-term issue. First of all, we're not even talking about this if they don't recover the onside kick. And not only was there an illegal right. formation on that onside kick, uh, the ref was pointing to the Ravens oh, yeah. players, telling them that they were lined up incorrectly. They didn't change, and the ref still didn't throw the flag. So I have no idea what's going on with Baltimore. That's the second time this year they had a chance to you know, win a game. They had no business. The game should have just ended right there. Um, but it... it there's, I think it's something he needs to improve at, but it didn't cost them the game. And I think they would have had to get tremendously unlucky, even more unlucky than they got for it to have cost them the game uh, yesterday. So they, they do need to get better, but it, it's it, sometimes you take what the defense gives you give credit to Baltimore because this is an actual, very good defense uh, right. that, you know, stopped what the Browns was doing. This wasn't straight incompetence. Uh, from the Browns offense, like you saw against like Detroit. Uh, this was the Ravens doing a good job and stopping what the Browns wanted to do. Yeah, uh, we're going to bring Michael in here in just a second. Quick reminder, once again, we are doing a ticket giveaway. Two tickets to this Saturday's game against the Raiders. The invading silver and black, they're coming in on Saturday. And we, we might have a very special guest from Raiderland later in the week. I'm not going to give it away just yet, but a pretty huge... Hi, oh, there's the there's the there's the uh, the hint I will give you if you're on Twitter. Hi, we may have hi on here later this week, but we are giving away two tickets to that later in the uh, um, later in the show tonight. Uh, exclamation point ticket is how you enter. Type exclamation point ticket in the chat. You're automatically entered uh, in in there. Now we're going to bring in uh, Garage Beers, Mike Michael Keith. Thank you once again for joining us and talking about the second half. I'll throw this in your lap too, since we got Fred's take on it and we got uh, Ian's take on it. it 
we all agree that there are things that can be improved. And whether you agree with conservative play calling in the second half or not, there is a case to be made for it because like he said, he alluded to in his press conference, when the defense is snuffing the other team the way they were until what late in the third quarter is when it really started really the fourth quarter is when it started. Um, you, you, there's a thought, a line of thought that goes, let's just not do anything stupid here because obviously they can't score. Now it barely worked, but it did work. So your thoughts on the second half play calling good and bad. Well, what's going on guys. And hi, uh, mm-hmm. I picked up what you were throwing down there and that's really exciting. That's <laughs> I don't get it. Favorite. I'm in the dark here. That's one of my favorite people out there. So, and hi. Uh, uh, listen, guys, uh, again, for, for a lot of this, this comes down to execution. We, we're talking a lot about this conservative play calling. A little bit. I was also looking at shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, comment. hi. <laughs> Good one, uh, Mr. Katonka. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> we were looking at shots down the field. They were taking shots down the field. They took shots down the field to, to DPJ. They took shots down right. the field to Landry. The, pro- the problem is... It's easy to look back with kind of a, a, a shade on and say, this is what happened. When in reality, one of those deep passes down the field connects and we're not right. talking about this con- conservative play calling. Uh, you know, I it, 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 it boils down. I've seen a lot of comments about uh, have Van Pelt call the plays. No. Like, no. That is not the issue here. The issue, you would have Van Pelt call the plays if you felt like, Kevin Stefanski was ineffective as a head coach in general. Like he would was bumbling timeouts and like, and I don't think that's the case. People can argue a thing here or there, but for the most part, he's an effective head coach. I think he's been fine. I think the execution is just rough right now right. Uh, for would. parts of the game. I think, I think the first half was great. I think the execution is rough. You saw it. the first half. You see Donovan Peoples Jones make an insane catch down the field, toe tapping along the sideline. Again, nobody's talking about conservative if he makes that same catch in the second half. So, no, I don't. I I, I think the thing that's got to have Kevin Stefanski pulling his hair out right now and Baker Mayfield and the receivers and the offensive line is I think they're calling plays that they're confident are going to succeed. And it's just not executing, whether it's whether it's the defense making a great call, which, by the way, guys, the Ravens did that a lot. The Ravens had a couple plays where They're they good. just made the right call at the right time, and it stopped a play. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, whether it's one guy missing a block or one wide receiver just not beating his man or Baker not being on target with a throw, again, I think the calls that they made were there to put them in position to win. Uh, but so so for me, it's not all about uh, uh, conservative play calling. I actually – I think there were plenty of instances in that second half where you can say, wow, that really wasn't a conservative play call. Uh, And it just still uh, the execution on the field wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, we've been saying it for months, right, Ian? It seems like they're taking turns. You know, if they block it up well, uh, then the receivers can't create separation and Baker has nowhere to go with the ball. If they do create separation, sometimes he doesn't see them. Sometimes he doesn't put it on them. You know, he's been far more inaccurate this year than he ever was before. That was one of his hallmarks was putting the ball in the right spot. Now there are varying reasons for that, but that's the simple fact. And then at various times this year, he hits them between the numbers and they just let it fall to the ground. It's like, it's this weird carousel of 10 guys doing their job on all these plays. Now there can be, obviously there are times 
that it is. We're not saying Kevin Stefanski is 100% blameless, that he had, and yeah. Rick1071, thanks for being here. Is it always a, I don't know about the word always. There are times that I have felt, especially in the red zone, that sometimes they get a little too cute for their own good. If you yeah, run the ball and absolutely. play action pass 85 yards down the field, why are you now running a, a jet sweep on, on the seven yard line that or whatever it, you know what I mean? So not all, but a lot of the time, yes. I mean, we've had people say, you know, Baker's missing wide open guys. Well, if that's the case, then it's not the play calling because the play calling is getting guys wide open. Right. So yeah. I don't know. There's so many things as to why this team is seven and six instead of 10 and three right now. But the, but, the thing that we have to realize as Browns fans, and after I say this, I'll throw it to you, Ian, is what 15 teams are seven and six. There, there's yeah. like three teams in the yeah. whole league that are really there's, playing good football. There's right 13 now. teams in the AFC fighting for seven spots. Right? It legitimately any, the first seed could drop out and the 13th seed, which is the dolphins could make it in. It's yep. ridiculous. But I yeah. mean, uh, so I think, I think the, one of the, one of the big things you really have to, it, the Browns didn't run the offense the same way they normally run it. They were you sort of using the pass as a, a makeshift run game, right? There was a lot of really short passes. Mm-hmm. There was more screens than we usually see because they knew what the Ravens were going to do, which was stack the box. So I think that's another point where even even when the Browns were having success, the offense had to play differently because the Ravens were good at what they do. And that's we as Browns fans always want to be focused on what the Browns did and, you know, how it stacks up versus the rest of the season. But the Ravens, even with all their injuries, most of those injuries have been there the whole year and they're still eight and five. They were still eight and four coming into the game. So this is a team that knows how to play, that knows how to play defense. And I think having to come up with sort of a different game plan to counter what the Ravens were doing, they were maybe a little bit more restricted than they usually were. I think they did a solid job. A note on Alex Van Pelt. If you want to hand over the play calling to Alex Van Pelt during a playoff run, uh, he's as near as I can tell, he's called played plays once in his career, which was the 2009 Buffalo Bills. Uh, if you could tell me anything about the 2009 Buffalo Bills, you're a liar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was the first year of Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was before he had his breakout. Uh, so, I maybe if it's something you want to do next season, that's fine. I think. Alex Van Pelt and Stefanski are, are very much on the same page. Uh, so I don't know how much it would change, but I don't, that's not a change they're going to make it, it, during the season uh, to a guy who hasn't called plays in 13 years. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Guys, so. guys, yeah. guys, can we talk about something for one second? Why do we talk about play calling? Like it's one guy doing it. Like, do you guys, do, do people think sure. that Alex Van Pelt is just chilling in the front row, drinking a beer during the game. Mm-hmm. Like he's just not part of the play calling. Alex Van Pelt is part of the play calling. Just like the rest of the offensive staff is part of the play calling. Does Kevin Stefanski have the final say on the play? Sure. But if like we act, the way we talk about play calling since Hugh Jackson, really, the way we talk about play calling in this city is like one guy is calling the plays, authoritarian style and nobody else has a say in it and that's not how it works alex van pelt guys he's part of calling the place he's part of calling the place the rest of the team is part of calling the place it's not perfect it's not perfect no team is perfect uh but but like we, we got it i don't know why we have to talk about this like give just give the play calling up and that's gonna help no because you think kevin stefanski is gonna not have a say in the play calling of course he is. Of course he is. It, it's a team effort. It's not one guy doing this. And and yeah, 
And 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 it's not like I said, it's not perfect. You know, I'm 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 sitting here saying I think a lot of it is execution. I also think a lot of the some of the run scheme that they had drawn up I didn't love. Yeah. When you play an attacking Ravens team, and you're you're running those kind of running formations where it takes a long time to hand the ball off mm-hmm. to Nick Chubb. Well, guess what? Those Ravens are in the backfield when it takes a long time to hand the ball off to Nick Chubb. You got to get that guy the ball quickly and let him try to make something happen when you're playing a team like this. Now. Moving forward, the good news, guys, there's good news with all this. That's the best defense you're going to see for the rest of the year, even mm-hmm. without some of their best players. That's definitely the best running defense you're going to see the rest of the year, probably by a long shot. So yeah. uh, there's there's still a lot of good things ahead, uh, and and we won the game. And we yeah, won and, the game. And, and I think that's the key. The Steelers' run defense, because of their front wall, always presents a challenge to the Browns for, the, for mostly the same reason. I think they need to keep the ball in between the guards. Uh, and go north and south uh, rather than the, the slow developing outside yes. plays against that style of defense. Against a lot of the rest of the league, obviously, we've seen what Nick Chubb can do. It works very well. But like you said, uh, we said at the top we were going to try to try to stay positive, Ian, and we just drifted into it. We got we got <laughs> sucked in like like a like a black hole into talking about all the negative stuff. So let's yeah. go back and and let's refocus here for the last. <laughs> Uh, what do we got? About 13 minutes left here. And the, the ticket giveaway is coming up. Exclamation point ticket. Pop that in there if you want to do that. If you want to be uh, entered into the giveaway, two tickets to this game, uh, this weekend's game uh, against the Raiders. Let's talk about moving forward. Uh, the playoff rooting list for this week. This past week was pretty easy because most of the teams <laughs> that we're in competition with were playing NFC teams. So it, was, it wasn't difficult. There's a few games this week that are like the Bengals and the, and the uh, Broncos specifically. There are pluses and minuses to both ways. Now, obviously, you always want a, a division rival to lose, but we're probably going to need the Broncos to win games down the road, and so you need them to get a loss or two here or there and now and everything. So, But looking ahead this week, uh, uh, there's a few more games. There's a chance the Browns could be not only inside the cut line, not only <laughs> in the playoffs, but leading the division and at that point having a home playoff game. Uh, which for, for those of you too young to remember that, <laughs> let me just what? tell you, a home playoff game in Cleveland is insane. It is absolutely fantastic. Some of the best memories of when I was young, which was, you know, granted a long time ago, there were 18 states in the union then, but still um, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And I so <laughs> want that for the younger members of the fan base, but that could come as quickly as with all the doom and gloom, they could be in a spot where they would have a home playoff game by the end of Sunday, which is kind of amazing. Michael, your thoughts on this upcoming slate here this weekend? I just, I, you know, I've read a lot about those games when Warren G. Harding was sitting in the front row as the sitting U.S. <laughs> president, uh, just enjoying some Browns football. No, the stadium listen, was powered by steam back then. <laughs> yeah. And everybody talked like this, you see? Browns are going to win this game. Well, what do you uh, know about that? <laughs> uh, listen, I, I think there's still, there's so many good opportunities for the Browns to just, First of all, a number one win, just win. Just mm-hmm. it's it, you're playing the Raiders, so what an opportune thing to say. Just win, just win, baby. That's all you got to do if you're the Browns right now. Uh, and and everybody's talking about these last four games. None of them are 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 a guaranteed loss. We're all talking about this Green Bay game, like oh the Browns are going to lose that game. I'm not buying that, especially with the Browns defense playing the way it is. I'm not buying that that Green Bay game is just a chalk up loss. It could be. I'm not saying I'm confident they're going to win that game. Right. Uh, but I'm also not buying it's a loss. But this week, I mean, the Chiefs are finally, like, figuring it out. Right. So they're going up against the Chargers. Uh, so the Browns could wind up in a tie with the Chargers if they win uh, this week. Uh, you've got the Patriots, who are, I don't know how, 
I don't know how the Patriots are what they are. I have no idea. I don't know how they are what they are, but they are. Uh, they're going up against the Colts. That's a huge matchup where we're all rooting for the Patriots. Colts uh, are a team that not a lot of people in Cleveland are talking about. We need we need to watch out for them. Uh, that that's yeah. one right there for sure. That we we need some help. We're definitely going to need some help because they have figured something out with Carson Wentz. He's not the world beater that people that hate that we passed on him in the draft try to build him up to be. But the rest of that team is really good, and he's playing well enough. But keep going. I mean, the the Steelers should be kind of spanked out of it at the end of this week. You're hoping. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, the big game, obviously the big game to watch. You're thinking about, first of all, the Packers and the Ravens. Like, again, at the end of this week, if things go okay, which I don't know, the one constant this season has been, the, especially the last two weeks, everything's fallen the Browns' way the last right. two weeks. Literally everything. So you got the Packers and the Ravens, uh, and who knows what Lamar looks like in that game. So the Packers could do us a big favor this mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. The Browns could be in first place in the division by the end of the day on 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 Sunday or Monday or whatever day this is all going to wrap up. So, no, I, th- I think, again, it's fun. This is the fun time of the year, right? Right. Uh, We'd the rather Browns have did, this than talking the, about draft position, right? Yeah, the Browns didn't. At the beginning of the season, it was defense. They did enough to win offense. They were great offensively at the beginning of the season. Think about the Chiefs and the Chargers and all that. They just couldn't hang on defensively. That should have been two wins. Uh, now they're sputtering uh, offensively. They haven't been consistent, so they haven't put themselves in a position where they can look at their record and say, oh, we got nine wins. We're pretty happy and secure. So now we're on to scoreboard watching, and, and that's part of the fun of it. But uh, this game was enormous. Uh, you know, we stay on the positive side of things. I don't care how they won. I don't care what they did. If they would have won by one, if Justin Tucker would have missed a field goal, I don't care. They won, and it was enormous because think of them sitting here. Think of them sitting here at six and seven right now. We'd be having a big time different discussion. Oh, yeah. Start talking oh, about yeah. the draft. That would uh, we'd be a draft mode. <laughs> so now it's 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 this is it. This is there's not a lot. Here's what I think about this weekend though. There's not a lot bad that could happen, right? Like, did the Broncos beat right. the Bengals? Okay, that's good for us. Do the Bengals beat the Broncos? Okay, that's good for us. Uh, there's just not a lot bad. You know, you don't want to see the Ravens beat the Packers. That would be a bummer. Right. Uh, but otherwise, there, a lot of good outcomes are sitting out there waiting for the Browns. Yeah, they just have to win, though. That's well, the key. I, well, obviously, and that's the key. And Rick 1071, first of all, I love that avatar. Uh, what a great movie. Uh, I love that. Uh, but you're right. Just win one at a time. Just win one. That's the key. We talk about the rooting list, and we always preface the article with it. None of this matters if the Browns don't handle their own business. And so so that's the key to the whole thing. But you talk about uh, – and, and I'm going to get into it with uh, uh, with Anthony Reinhardt. Where he's going to show me the numbers again uh, for this week's rooting list, and we'll get into it and dig into it. But you talk about specifically uh, the Broncos and the Bengals. They play this week, and there's pluses and minuses to both, as we said. But let's look to next week, okay? Next week after that, the Bengals play the Ravens. So if the Bengals win this week and then they beat the Ravens next week, which which is probably something we're going to want since we still have the Bengals ahead of us so we could make up a game if we happen to file, uh, fall behind them like that, that would mean it would be better for us if the Broncos won this week. I mean, it's it, this is the thing with putting doing rooting lists with four games out. So much stuff. And, you know, it, it could just, like, the, like the, the perfect scenario, I think, would be uh, this week, Denver beats uh, Cincinnati, and then next week, uh, the Raiders beat Denver, 
and then the Bengals beat the Ravens. So obviously that's the perfect scenario. But what do you want this week? Since we have no idea what's going to transpire next week. It's it's so interesting to try and put it together. It's like a Rubik's Cube at this yeah. point. But you're right, Rick. And we have said this a million times. People accuse me of not saying, I don't care. Just when you're getting, well, obviously, you, if the, that's the most important thing. But why wouldn't you want to look at the rest of the games and get a safety net? Get as much help as you want. It doesn't make any sense to me that you don't care about the rest of the game. You will. You know, when it comes down to a tiebreaker, you'll care about those games, <laughs> you know. So uh, just a few minutes left before we do the ticket giveaway here. Uh, your guys' final thoughts on yesterday, something coming up, the injuries, anything you got. Ian, we'll go to you first. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up and permutations are amazing. All of these dominoes that could potentially fall. Make mm -hmm. sure you guys check out the rooting list when Stephen and Anthony have that out. Um, but in terms of. The important thing, which is the Browns being first in the division, that's not this crazy, you know, like four games have to go. The Browns right. have to win and the Ravens have to lose. Right that's now, the, the Browns are favored by six points over the Raiders. The Packers are favored by two points over the Ravens. So you're talking about both. If both games go as Vegas thinks they go, the Browns are in first place in the division <laughs> next week. It, it's crazy. That's, that's not that's what? not a ridiculous. That's not a like a ridiculous series of events that's the right. expected outcome is the browns in first place now expected outcome means absolutely nothing considering how right. the season has gone jacksonville beat buffalo for god's sake but it's 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 like this isn't some crazy the browns are way out of it and they need all these things to go right to get in you know if they take care of business they're going to be in the playoffs it's basically that's basically what it comes down to the, the only the rooting list is for if they screw up if they lose right. this game against the raiders if they lose against uh, the Bengals. Weirdly enough, I think the Steelers might be the one game you could lose if you if you can take out the Packers, just because the tiebreakers with them don't matter because they have the tie. Right. Uh, but it's if the Browns take care of business, <laughs> if they beat the three AFC teams, you basically eliminate Oakland this week. Uh, you have the chance to you control your own destiny as far as division tiebreakers because uh, you would the only team that could tie you at four and two is the Bengals, and if you beat them, you have the head to head tiebreakers, so that doesn't matter. Right. So they they win those three AFC games they've got all the tiebreakers they need to get into the playoffs at 10 and 7 about a minute minute and a half maybe two minutes we're going to go ahead and do it last chance to enter the giveaway uh exclamation point tickets type exclamation point ticket into the chat we are giving away two tickets to see the browns and the raiders play this saturday at first energy stadium here in just a minute michael your final thoughts just just whatever is on your mind guys Oh, I love beating the Ravens. I love beating the Ravens. I don't give a stuff. I don't give a, I don't give anything what it takes, what mm -hmm. it looks like. I don't, I'm one of those guys. I'm old enough that I was a part of the old Brown Steelers rivalry. Oh, yeah. And I remember that. And that's great. And I hate the Steelers and I love when they lose and I love when we beat them and whatever. But I, I think my generation, or maybe, maybe I'm speaking for a group of people that I shouldn't be speaking for, but certainly in my house, it's the Ravens. It's the Ravens. I hate the Ravens more than anything. I hate the Ravens more than anything. Cause they, that was, I was a kid. I was a, I was in my prime formative football years when they stole that team away from us and they made them the Baltimore Ravens. And then they win a Super Bowl, and we have to watch it. And, and, and then ever since we've come back, it's been, Oh, cool. We might beat the Ravens once every five years. And I just hate, I hate losing to the Ravens. So to beat the Ravens, and to just get kind of that monkey off our back and say, listen, 
it might have been ugly at the end. We might have made some bonehead plays. You still beat the Ravens, and that's the most important thing. So that I'm feeling I could not be happier. It's my favorite win of the year so far. I don't care about about all the other uh, all the other stuff. That is my favorite win, and 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 the fact that it sets the tone for the rest of the year. The fact that it sets the tone. The fact that that's that's the one they should build off of. Cool. You came back. You did what you needed to do out of the bye week. You got that win. And now the everything's on the table. You can control your own destiny. Really, uh, this was I, it was an awesome weekend, and uh, and and we'll see. We'll see. That that that's the motto of this season. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens next week. I'm with you. I I do uh, two things. I'll say, and then we'll close it out. You got about thirty seconds left to enter. Uh, exclamation point ticket. I'm I agree with you. I love beating the Ravens. Uh, I will also say that uh, the face you made and the voice you made was downright <laughs> frightening. Um, when you said I hate the Ravens and my wife has to look now, at all the time. if, if you are ever arrested for, you know, like murdering Ravens fans, they're going to play nope. that video and ask me and Ian why we didn't see the signs. We're going to be accomplices am, somehow yeah. because of that video. I am non-homicidal. Zero homicide <laughs> here. No homicide. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, Ian, you are the man at the controls of yep. the mothership here. Go ahead and uh, close it uh, whenever you feel is appropriate. Right. There we go. Now we are going to uh, pick the winner, and you have to be here, Bob. It's Bob, Bob, Bobbio. Yep, Bob, Bob, Bobbio. If Speak you are still chat. here, I know you've been active in the chat. Uh, uh, if you are still here, say something because you do have to be here and be in the chat to win it. So go ahead and say something to us, Bob, 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 Bobbio. Uh, uh, or Phil we Collins will uh, draw. <laughs> that was the that was the first no, a, uh, the first draft. Yeah, it's a it's the Beach Boys song, <laughs> Bob, 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 Bobbio. Uh-huh. It was the first draft of studio. <laughs> I would like to. I'd like to shout out Mr. Katapka real quick. He he appreciated my passion. I Mr. Katapka is one of our first uh, our, our our first subscribers way back. There, he is. Way, there we go. Okay, excellent, uh, Bob. Uh, and I'm I'm just going on a limb here and assuming that your name is Bob. Um, what you want to do is, is he's going to, he's going to send me a DM and be like, my name's Kevin. What the hell's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> my name's Kevin. Bob, what Bob, you want to do, Bobby find up. me on Twitter. You can see right there. Uh, send me a, and either follow me or send me a DM or, or shout at me in public, whatever. Uh, and because we do not have paper tickets, uh, obviously we don't have those anymore. The Browns are 100% digital. So the only way for me to transfer those tickets to you is digitally through the Cleveland Browns app. It's not a difficult process, but you have to walk through it. Uh, so just find me on Twitter there uh, at Browns mock draft, uh, get in touch with me and we'll start the process. You'll have them in plenty of time for the game Saturday. Uh, we might have more tickets to give away the rest of the season. We're working on it. Nothing for sure yet. If we get them, if we secure them, we will absolutely let you guys know. Uh, that is it for our show tonight for Fred, uh, for Michael, uh, for Ian, for every single one of you in the chat. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to join Jake tomorrow for chalk talk at the normal time. And, uh, we will see you the rest of the week. And as always, go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.